You are listening to the one and only Visionaries Wrestling Network. Envisioning excellence and providing your perfect podcast experience. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we recap the Double or Nothing pay-per-view, your weekly Wednesday Night War roundup. Mike Tyson makes uh, another makes two appearances on wrestling TV this week. Uh, week five of our NXT TakeOver Do-Over series. Tonight we're doing 2015's Unstoppable That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. Look at you. First try. Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Band for Ringside podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagy, a.k.a. Rhetoric Flair. And out there in Edwardsville, Illinois, we have two beers. Zach Pullman. What's going on, two beer? Oh, you know, not a lot. Just uh, been reading a lot of Dune. Just really late to the party with that one i think it was came out in 1965 so uh just 55 years late but uh it's been pretty great <laughs> it's been on my list for a long time because they're doing a new uh adaptation of it right yeah that's that's actually why i dove in because uh dennis i don't know how to say his last name villanueva villanueva yeah he's uh he did blade runner 2049 which is my favorite movie of i think 2017 so anyway it's gonna be awesome and in University City, St. Louis, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? Allows to bow our heads as I read from the Band from Ringside podcast, volume 157, chapter 3, verse 14. And the good smart say hashtag boo the heels. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat. Shout out to my girl, Becky Balboa. I'll see you in a week. I love you, babe. Um, Dune, I'm kind of tripping off of that. I've never read it, but I've seen the movie. So, I mean, I'm assuming that the book, the movie was based off the book. Yeah. Yeah. David Lynch took quite a few liberties. I've never watched that movie um, because I always wanted to read the book. But the movie came out in 84, I think. Yeah, I was going to say it's an 84 movie. It's it's artful for the 80s. The special effects is good. I I like the story itself. I just couldn't imagine reading the book. I just, I don't have that much time on my hands. I shouldn't say it like that. We are coming at you. Well, I'm coming at you from stormy South St. Louis. Uh, lots of stuff to get to when we started this NXT do over series. There wasn't a whole lot to talk about. And then now every single week, it's like, holy shit, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So uh, let's let's get right into it. But first, Jason, tell us about F&B Eatery. F&B Eatery on the corner of 3453 Southampton, Southampton and Marquette. Slide on through, grab a smash burger or two. Like I say every week, get with them on your social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all F&B Eatery. Um, support, curbside, all that good shit. I'm not going to beat a dead horse because you hear it every week. Don't meet me there. Beat me there. F&B Eatery, 3453 South. Southampton, tell them that band from ringside sent you. Now let's get to that three counts. One, two, three. JCB, what's that one count? Going back to Saturday night, double or nothing. Um, I'm not sure if this is the flagship pay-per-view or not. It's only been a year since AEW has been around in existence. Kind of crazy when I think about it and say it out loud, but nonetheless, let's dive into it. Uh, biggest takeaway from me coming out of this, 
I'm gonna be that guy. I'm I'm kind of over the cinematic matches. Um, this was. I think they're all just going to be hit or miss. I just think this one is for me was a big time miss. Um, comedy for me in wrestling, I will finally admit to the fact that it is important. Now, how much comedy goes into wrestling is where I think I don't necessarily like this particular match. It was a little too heavy handed, a little too sports entertainment. If I wanted sports entertainment, I know where to go and I'll, I'll leave it there. From that point, obviously we can talk about the pay-per-view itself at any given point. Brian Cage, obviously being for me, the next biggest takeaway rumored for coming over for some time, apparently was signed in January. You called it. Have his, you called it last it. week. You called it exactly. You called TBA was going to be Brian Cage. I mean, you didn't pick him to win, but you did pick him third no, to I win. No, nah, well, look, man, I was going to say I, I couldn't put the the cart on that horse if the horse ain't available to put the beat, you know, rode on at that point. But neither here nor there. Good Brian metaphor. Cage is at it. <laughs> Brian <laughs> Cage is in AEW. Um, long time coming. It, it just gives them another big man on their roster. Um See where we go from there. Speaking of big men, um, Cody Lance Archer, I thought was a really good match. <clears throat> I think you you could argue the finish. I guess you can scream nepotism or favoritism, kind of like what Cody said on Wednesday night. Um, I get it, kind of what Two Beers said leading into predictions last week. You want to get the title off to a good start, even though I didn't necessarily like the, the title itself seemed incomplete but neither here nor there they said it is incomplete they said that they're still waiting for a gold plating that that got put off due to uh the pandemic i think it has some uh extra like bevels on it too i thought i saw like a finished product it looks a lot better not just gold plating but there's a lot of just flat silver on there right now and it's uh or stainless or whatever and it uh, actually has like a lot more ridges it's not quite as ornate as the AEW world title, which is like one of the most beautiful titles in history. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's totally it's badass. Yeah. Um, for me, and I'll wrap it up, match of the night, uh, I thought it was MJF and Jungle Boy. Wow. Um, they stood out. They told the story in the ring. And, you, and I'm not saying when this is going to happen, but remember this moment because this is going to happen two years, three years down the line where the stakes are going to be higher. This is going to come back to play. They didn't just throw this out there just to throw it out there. They threw it out there for a reason. Remember this. This is going to come back at a later point. To beer, what was uh, your big takeaway? I'll agree with the match of the night being MJF and Jungle Boy. And also, like Jason said, uh, these guys have bright futures ahead of them. They're going to be top guys in this company. 10 years down the road, maybe even sooner, but definitely 10 years down the road, these guys are going to be two of the guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have kind of the total opposite reaction to this stadium stampede. I loved it. I was thoroughly sports entertained. Uh, I <laughs> laughed a lot of times. I mean, just like outright laughter. And that's, you know, I totally understand kind of not always loving comedy and wrestling. It does serve its purpose. Like, you know, there's some really good wrestling in DDT, but like DDT is like a, it's like a niche thing, and you got to really kind of like that all the time. And I don't like it all the time, 
But I feel like the AEW crew is so creative with their comedy, and maybe it's just my kind of comedy, I guess. Or well, my, my it's kind of not in wrestling. It's not Vince comedy, which was the Spears Dustin match was big time Vince comedy, oh. pulling down the pants yeah. and everything. It was oh. real dumb, and yeah, it was. It was night and day as far as comedy goes. It really I, was. I did not like that match. Like, that match looked like no, a it sucked. WWE comedy match. Mm-hmm. And it looked like it was intended to bury Sean Spears. If it wasn't WWE, I would have thought Sean Spears is buried and done and he's never wrestling again. Instead, I just think that maybe maybe it was his idea and he's just been at WWE long enough that that's where he thinks, you know, I don't know. I don't know whose idea that was. I don't know who put that together, but that was definitely the... Uh, the worst match of the night by, mm-hmm. by far. Uh, but I, I love the, the stadium stampede. It was just a lot of fun. And I think, you know, where WWE has that whole tagline about putting smiles on people's faces, right? Like, Oh, we're doing this. Uh, so unselfishly, it's not because we're, uh, you know, trying to line our coffers. We're just trying to put smiles on people's faces, right? Like I, I don't think AEW is completely altruistic in this because they're a business and they're trying to make money. But uh, they are actually putting smiles on people's faces, like, for real. Like, I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, maybe it's a product of the pandemic. Who knows if they would have been this creative, right? Like, I don't think I don't think we would have gotten the stadium stampede without the pandemic. And now I don't know how they're going to get away with, like, not having another stadium stampede sometime. And even if they do, I don't know how they're going to top it. Like, um, the real standout of this match was... Uh, Sammy Guevara. Uh, I mean, there was a lot that we can talk about, but we talk about MJF and Jungle Boy. Like Sammy Guevara is going to be up there with those guys as top guy uh, in this company. You know, years down the road. Right now, he's a, a total geek, and it doesn't hurt him at all to be a geek. He's so good at it. But man, um, just a fun event, and uh, just want to reiterate real quick that I was right about the Cody thing. Uh, oh, and. I also love this. I should have won the title. That was good stuff. Okay. Uh, okay. 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 So, so we gonna go there. We gonna go there. Go ahead. I, I think I should get kudos for more for Brian Cage for actually pulling out a name versus just you know oh I'm just going with TBA. Yeah, but you already. Okay. Yeah, but I already gave you the credit for it. Now no, you're no, going. No, no. Now you're going back, and you're trying to shit on Zach's credit after I already gave for something that I already gave you credit for. As a matter of fact, yes, I am. <laughs> uh, this would be a perfect time. Be better. <laughs> this would be a perfect time to uh, let you know how everybody did on the predictions. Zach leading the way with seven. Uh, Jason following up closely with a six. And I'll tell you what I thought about the pay per view uh, coming up right now. <laughs> I ended up with four. Um, I'll uh, I'll start off with well, I'll start off with the bad. Um, the Moxley Brody Lee match was fine, but what's the point of having Brody Lee come in as the leader of the Dark Order if the Dark Order is not going to come into play in the match at all? I mean, the Dark Order sucks. They, they got me there. I started liking them for a week when they had those vignettes, but they haven't done anything with them, and we still don't know what they stand for. I mean, they're just a it's just a Vince parody thing now. So I, now just to have – it was a bad night for the big guys. Archer lost. Brody Lee lost. Nyla Rose lost. Uh, you know what I mean when I say big guys. Um, I, guess, I guess having uh, – 
having Paige win is a, a big a big deal. But I mean, those are I mean, talk about not protecting your monsters though. The, I mean, to have Moxley win clean and Cody win clean, even with Jake the Snake there and Brody Lee with the I know that they're anti DQ finishes, but. Sometimes you need one. You got to protect the guys sometime. Uh, I think that Cody you don't beat think Brody was protected. I, thought, I, I mean, it was. I ca- think- yeah, I mean, I guess he was, but I just don't understand why you put him in that match in the first place. It seems kind of TNA ish to me to have two ex WWE guys facing each other for the title. All right, I mean, you want this? You want you? You want this one? You want me to jump in? I just I was gonna say I think they did a really good job with the with the Brody Moxley match considering what it was and I I agreed I even said earlier you know a couple weeks ago I was like this seems like too soon for this match but I feel like they're just kind of thinking on their feet because of the current situation uh, here I sound like Michael Cole because of the global pandemic that we're in yeah. um, but uh, you know because he took a ton of punishment kicked out of his finisher at one even after he like put him through the the ramp in a really cool spot and like opened him up and then he never did pinfall. I mean, he just had to choke him out. Like, so I thought he, I thought he was like really protected. I mean, that's fair. Archer's yeah. Archer's been brutalizing people. And, uh, you could, like we said before, we could have gone either way with those. Um, I don't know. I, I I thought, uh, I thought they were fine. I wasn't upset about, uh, about those. Um, as far as like, you know, I feel like they do a pretty good job of protecting. I would have been more upset with the DQ personally. Just, just me. Okay, Jason, go ahead, jump in, tell uh, me why I'm wrong. No, he, no I'm just getting ready to say I, I agree with Tubier on this one. It, it's just the fact of the matter is, is that with the pandemic going on, your options are limited. So that's why I think Brody Lee comes into play. Now, I do agree with you, Bill, that the finish could have been a DQ finish where here comes the Dark Order in some form or fashion. They jump Moxley so you can extend the feud. So I get both sides. I'm not saying that the the way that they did it was wrong or bad. It it just took me by surprise that that's the way that they were going. That's the way to finish the match. I guess my I see both sides. My biggest thing about Brody Lee is why do you even have him attached to the shitty Dark Order if they're not even going to come into play? Um, I I disagree with both you guys about the MJF jungle boy match like it was it was good i'm not gonna say it was good i i don't know if it was my match of the night there there were certain points in the first half of that match with which almost went 20 minutes where i was thinking to myself these guys still look kind of green like they can pull off some good shit and they were telling a good story no doubt about it but it looked to me like it was the first time we've seen those two young bucks no pun intended, those two young bucks in the ring together. And there were parts where it looked very methodical and very kind of uh, tough enough-ish. I did like the finish. I like both those guys a lot. It just wasn't my match of the night. I thought the stadium stampede fucking ruled, man. I thought it was... I'm not sick. Like, if they're going to... I'm not sick of the cinematic matches yet because it seems like they're getting better at them. And this one... I mean, the four big cinematic matches that we are talking about, right? It's the Firefly Funhouse one or whatever it was called. What was it called? Yeah, that's you it. Said it. Uh, the Boneyard match, the Champa Gargano match, and now this one. And Money in the Bank. Oh, yeah. Money in the Bank was yeah. the worst. 
Money in the Bank was yeah, the worst. by far. Um, I thought this was the best one. It had a bunch of fun spots. The ending spot with the one-wing angel, I mean, I know that they landed on a crash pad, but that is a hell of a visual. Oh, yeah. I, I, Stevie Warner can see that. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. When, when they did that, I was like, oh, hell no. Where the fuck? Okay, yeah, <laughs> also, there it is. Come All on. right. <laughs> this should be it. Hang, hangman page on a horse is, is just so, I mean, if you're going to go over the top, go over the top. And they went so <laughs> over the top. And if anybody hasn't heard it yet, you can find it on YouTube. Do yourself a favor and listen to the 25-minute rant of Jim Cornette talking about why he hated this match so much. It is <laughs> hilarious. I mean, you talk about going over the top. This motherfucker is leaning in to his old man yells yells at cloud persona now. He he talk he's he said he's I don't want to ruin anything, but you should really watch it. He says how he feels betrayed by all these guys that he knows that this ain't wrestling, that he's never watching AEW again, all sorts of shit. Let's see how long that lasts. But um also, I, I, I thought the ladder match was really good, too. Uh, a lot of cool spots. Um, one terribly stupid spot that I'm not even going to bring up because you guys just think that I'm harping on your boy too much. But uh, overall, I'd give, the, I'd give it a solid B. I mean, at a time when you need to be taking risks, and I think this is what Zach said last week, at a time when you need to be taking risks and a time when you need to be trying new things, they tried... The stadium stampede was trying a new thing, and I thought ultimately it was a success. It was a lot of fun. Oh, dude! Whenever Chris Jericho brought uh, Aubrey Edwards, challenged the the challenged the play. Oh my god! Oh, I'm when dying. when Hangman Page was doing the uh, the chalk line, <laughs> he went over top of Jericho. <laughs> It was so stupid. It was so stupid. But uh, that's kind of why I watch wrestling. And that's where, I guess, like the naked gun to me is slapstick. And that's probably where the line for me is. It's funny enough to where it's not too over the top. OJ Simpson flipping down the railing. Yeah, that's over the top but it's in bits and pieces. This started over the top from the jump. It never gradually led me into that point. And that's my only problem with it. OJ Simpson. Own, <laughs> I was just thinking, I just, just, it was way over the top. Right? I was just thinking about when OJ Simpson falls off the stadium and they look down there or no, that was Ricardo Multibon. And they're like, that's all right. He'll be fine. And then the bulldozer runs over him. <laughs> um, if you guys haven't watched Naked Gun in a while, it holds up. Uh, any last thoughts on this pay per view? I mean, I I thought it was really good. Best friends are the number one contenders. Britt Baker didn't compete, so Chris Stantler Chris Statlander got that win. That about covers it. Unless there's anything else that you want to talk about. Um, I'll I'll give props to uh, Nyla Rose and Sheeta. I thought that was a really good it was DQ match. Yes. Um, I think they got that right overall. Yeah, I agree with you, Bill. I, I was leaning B minus when I left Saturday night. I watched it again. I'll give it a B. I mean, you can nitpick it at you if you want to, but I've, I've definitely sat through worse three, three and a half, four hour shows, whatever you want to call it. Oh, way worse. Way, way worse. 
Uh, Zach, you want to give it a grade before we move on? Uh, I'll give it a B plus, maybe even an A minus. There we go. Mm. All right, and that'll bring us to our two counts. One, two, three. All right, two beer. What you got? All right, so we have our kind of weekly Wednesday Night War recap. Uh, we had um, probably the biggest takeaway. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens these days um, where you just wish there was fans in the building. And the thing that happened this week where you really wish there was fans in the building, we had uh, Broken Matt Hardy and the Young Bucks versus Joey Janela and Private Party to open it up. And it was really funny because – Young Bucks made Matt Hardy go through a couple wardrobe changes before they finally decided on like like early '90s Matt Hardy like to accompany them to the ring, and uh, they had their match. Uh, I believe it, there was an angle. At first, I thought that dude was actually hurt, but one of the private party guys uh, was an angle where he was hurt, and then after the match, Matt Hardy helps him out, and that leaves the Young Bucks in the ring to get attacked by Butcher and Blade, who then get attacked by none other than FTR, which is Cash Wheeler and Dax, what is it? Dax Hardwood? Woodson? Hardwood, Hardwood. Yeah, Dax Hardwood and Cash Wheeler, which totally do not sound like porn names at all. Not so, at all. <laughs> not uh, like we would know or anything. They help the Young Bucks, and but still at the same time, it seems like they're setting up for the Young Bucks, obviously going to be the dream feud. I mean, like, AEW has uh, arguably the most stacked tag team roster um, that I've probably ever seen, right? If you're, if you're not talking like some of the Japanese stuff can be really great because they throw stablemates together. But as far as like just true tag teams, I mean, this is pretty great. Might be too stacked. Yeah, I know, right? Let's let's let it play itself out first. <laughs> Shit. I'm gonna let I'm gonna be a little greedy about this one because I I like tag team wrestling, and I don't get to see it enough on that other show that we can talk about here in a second. But for me, yeah, I'm all for it. You know, the more tag teams, the better. Line them up. Let's see what happens. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. What, what so, does FTR stand for? Fear the revival. I think it originally was. Fuck the revival, and then it became free the revival. Whenever they wanted out of their contracts, uh, I have no idea what it stands for now. <laughs> no, I was getting ready to say that that's that's what my interpretation. FTR came from the Young Bucks, as far as I was concerned, and they started with fuck the revival. Anybody that hated the revival or loved the Bucks, that's how that the hashtag ran off. And then, like Two Beer said, when they wanted to get out of the contract, people like me. Said, meant it as free the revival but please go ahead uh, then we had a cool promo from Taz Brian Cage came out did a squash match while John Moxley watched as the voyeuristic announcer oh uh, yeah you know let, let me ask you what do you think about uh, them teaming Brian Cage with Taz I mean Taz is great at that so um, as long as he's not uh, his like Brian Cage is Paul Heyman and like Brock, you know, Brian Cage never talks, then I feel like that would be kind of a bummer. Uh, I feel like, you know, maybe let Brian Cage talk some, but Taz is great at it. So I don't know. What do you guys think? 
Jason. Uh, I, no, I was going to say I, I love it personally. I mean, it's Brian Cage isn't, you know, the great greatest talker in the world. So you're, you're taking away, hiding his strength, like Heyman says, and, you know, placing it with or hiding his weakness, place, replacing it with a strength. And that's Taz. Taz can talk. You know, he he made me legitimately like, OK, when does Fighter Fest happen? Because now I want to see this match by the time that uh, match in the segment was over. So, I mean, for me, I love it because I love managers. So, I mean, this is right up my alley. You're just playing into Taz's strength and hiding Brian Cage's one of his supposed weaknesses. I agree. I, I love I love Taz being on TV. I, I like him in an announcer role. I just I, I've always been a Taz fan, so I'm cool with it. Also, in interviews, uh, he's always been super cool. He's great on the announce team too because he brings that wrestler's aspect, that kayfabe aspect, and he really breaks down the moves. Like he's great with Excalibur. Like yeah. the art can be kind of mediocre, but like the, the fact that they're the pair that does the announcing makes it worth watching like every time yeah even though i don't watch it every time <laughs> right um but uh after that Britt baker updated uh her status like she's got a pretty bad injury this segment was awesome and <laughs> if you would have asked me like you know last year whenever this thing started if i would have liked Britt baker as much as i do now i would have said no because for all the reasons that i didn't initially think that i was going to like her she took all of that and she took the disdain for her character and she turned it into the perfect heel character. She is so good at this now. Like, so good. Uh, I look forward to her segments like every week. And I hope that she comes out in her stupid role model, R-O-L-L model wheelchair every God, week. so good. And talks to Tony Schiavone about this. Like, I just, uh, I loved it. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I the Britt Baker heel turn is probably the best thing that happened to her. The worst thing that happened to her, unfortunately, is that she got hurt again. Yeah, she, she straight miss. up like accuses Aubrey oh, of being in a conspiracy because yeah. she gets hurt. Aubrey Edwards is in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> She's good. I was like, okay, yeah, that was like, and she was like, you know, bringing out the board, and you know, every like it was like a police crime, you know, who done it, you know, we're connecting the dots type shit, and it was all over the place. It was. Britt Baker has been served well with this heel turn. And, and I know fans scream, you know, he needs a heel turn. She needs a face turn. This was one that was kind of needed and was has been done so well up to this point. For sure. Uh, we had a women's match. The new champion of Karashita versus a new uh, AEW signing, Christy James, who looked really good. Uh, yeah, a little a bit more competitive than I thought it was going to be. Me too, man. Like I, that's exactly what I was thinking because I was not. Oh, Chris, really Christy surprised. James looked good, but like uh, Alan Angels when he wrestled Kenny Omega. To me, it was the same thing. You know, she went over because she should. He, she's the champ, but Christy James got herself over, and she made me was like, okay, you know, when are we going to see this one again? At some point, I'm sure on dark, but you know, I want to see more of her as we go along. Yeah, me too. Uh, I want to see more of her, just generally speaking. See, you ain't sure. Uh, but, uh, I mean, he's, that's her character. He's red-blooded. He's a red-blooded American male. Yeah. Sorry, there's a <laughs> mower. There's literally a dude on a lawnmower driving by my house right now, like, just on the road. So, that's what that is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so many jokes, so little time. Welcome to Illinois. Yeah. Uh, Cody 
uh, issues an open challenge, uh, compares himself to Tom Brady. I like uh, that. Humbly, you know. I mean, that is a good analogy. That is the argument for putting the belt on Cody, which I, you know, I want to say that if you go back to last week's pod, I knew that Cody was going to win. I just had to stick with Lance Archer because then if Lance Archer won and I went away from it, then I wouldn't get any credit for it. But now <laughs> I want credit wow. for both. Wow. Because wow. I so knew Cody was going to win. So we're backdooring, backdooring credit now? I mean, is that what we're doing? I'm just saying if you guys are I'm taking credit for all credit. if you guys are taking credit for all sorts of shit, then I'm gonna take some credit <laughs> by agreeing with Zach. So give me some credit. But yeah, the argument the argument against it is or the argument for Cody having the belt is that he can do something like this and it'll be a weekly cool thing to do with the open challenge. Now, yeah, that, uh, uh, yeah I was going to sorry to I'll jump in real quick. I piggyback that sentiment totally and then when you have Jungle Boy winning the the battle royal, sorry to jump ahead, it sets up the precedent of it's not going to always be, you know, the top name guys. This is a mid-card title, so the mid-card guys should get the crack at it. MJF, I'm sorry. I know he's undefeated, but he, unless you just want to go down that road again, I don't even think he needs to be sniffing this title. It should be world title or bust for uh, MJF, whether it's Moxley, Brian Cage, or whoever the case may be. But, yeah, I love the open challenge, and especially if Cody's doing it, it's perfect. Right on. Yeah. Uh, after that, we had the number one contender tag match, SCU versus Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc. Uh, all we really have to say about that, I think, is just that Sabian and Jimmy Havoc uh, has a cool new suit that's totally white and looks like it's uh, splattered with blood like that. Um, they're going to be the number one contenders, so we get a new fresh tag match for the championships. So that should now, be fun. Now, wait a minute. I thought that the best friends won Saturday night to make them number one contenders. Yeah, if I guess, I'm not mistaken, they're going to either get it at Fighter Fest or somewhere down the line. Wednesday yeah, night, they said the, they whoever won that particular match was going to get the title match next week. Okay, yeah, all right. Same deal because we, we later on in the show we have a battle royale for number one contendership of the TNT title, even though Cody has an open challenge every week. So I think it's kind of like. Uh, yeah, one's at the pay-per-view, one's just, like, sometime. Like, you're just guaranteed a shot. Like, I don't know if it's, like, one... I don't know who gets it before the other. That is not clear at all, but... Yeah, gotcha. I guess they could have done a little bit of better job with that. Well, um, well no, I'll, I'll just say this. To me, let's just be clear. A battle Royal is a Battle Royal, whether it's in AEW, WWE, New Japan, whatever the case may be. In this case, to me, Open Challenge means... After next week, which, which we already know who it is, two weeks from now, it, I expect Cody Rhodes to march down the ring, be in the center in the center of the ring, say whatever he wants to say, open door challenge, and then somebody comes out. That to me is what the open challenge is. Right on, yeah. Uh, so speaking of which, we had the battle royal, where um, you know I thought this is a battle royal. It was fine in my opinion, but I really thought. It was interesting because I wanted Jungle Boy to win Saturday because I feel like he kind of needs a jump start. And the Battle Royal win just seems like it's setting him up to lose. 
Um, even though I don't think a loss to Cody hurts him or anything, I just feel like he needs more than like a battle royal win. He was kind I of protected really thought... in that. He was kind of protected in that loss to MJF, though. Also, I mean, because it was oh, yeah. just a, it was just a quick roll up. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Uh, but I really thought that they should have. Even though I liked the interaction between Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy, I really thought that Orange Cassidy should have won completely without eliminating anybody, just by like being in there and then two people eliminate each other at the end and he's like the only one standing so i thought that would have told like a way better story and been a lot more fun uh go, just me. going back to double or nothing just for a second because i wanted to say this and i forgot as an orange cassidy fan in that ladder match it was just a little too cute for me just a little too cute like not be, that. not being able to like not knowing how to set up a ladder. Like I know he's laid back, but he's not fucking dumb, is he? Yeah, I think. I mean, no, come on, just I standing on standing no, on the no, ladder no, on its. Just, si- come on, that was so dumb. I'm not gonna sit up here and push back on that. I, I Thank you. Looked at it too. It was kind of like, okay, I, I kind of have a little problem with this. It, it, felt like they were playing them for stupid so i can't say i disagree with that. yeah just have them like walk up the ladder like super slow like kind of make fun motion, yeah. like make fun of how everybody does that anyway like everybody gets to the ladder in a ladder match and forgets how to climb it you know what i mean oh yeah for sure that's what i'm saying and then we have the inner circle pep rally which was hilarious because just like any super bowl you know, stadium stampede, whatever. You have T-shirts <laughs> where they have, you know, 10,000 T-shirts of the losers, right? And uh, just so many sight gags. And I feel like the inner circle really shines at this comedy stuff. They're legit badass stable. Every single one of these people is a, a completely competent upper elite athlete, right? And... At the same time, they're total dipshits, and they managed <laughs> to play that balance so well. And so Jericho calls out Mike Tyson for something that he did on January 11th of 2010 on a Monday night, which I was not watching then. So maybe uh, Jason can enlighten us, or Bill can enlighten us. Yeah, I was, I was, I was watching. So what happened? On- now I don't remember. I don't remember what happened. Yeah, I would have to really have to go back and think about it. If I'm not mistaken, that could have been January 11, 2010. So that was the year. I mean, I think that was the year that I went to WrestleMania. So that might have been a build to either the Royal Rumble, which probably happened two weeks after, if my math serves me right, because Royal Rumble is usually the last right. weekend of January. Who did Jericho fight at the WrestleMania that you were at? Uh, Edge. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, so, so I mean, it had been, that's my guess. I think that's also yeah. the same year that Swagger cashed in the money in the bank on Jericho. But uh, Yeah, because he won it. He won the money in the bank at WrestleMania, and then yeah, I think it was on a SmackDown, randomly it, cashed it in. It was. Tender Mahal ruined it for me one night. Uh, he spoiled it for me. I had it DVR'd back at home, and Tender Mahal walks Stop. into the bar and tells me exactly what happens. Oh, man, did you hear Jericho, oh. did you hear Jericho lost a swagger? That was in Jericho's oh, suit man. days. Uh, oh, and dude, Anyway. I know, that, I know you were pissed. <laughs> anyway, I, yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was the first segment of SmackDown, too. Sorry, Zach. <laughs> 
this this was exactly nearly the same angle from what was it like 1997 with uh, Steve Austin and Mike Tyson. Yes. Just Mike Tyson looking like he's having the time of his life, being very very bad at what he's doing. Very it bad. Does not matter because he's Mike Tyson, and that's all that matters. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they did the pull apart and Tyson came out with some dudes uh some of them were like uh, famous MMA fighters um yeah like Cejudo and uh these guys Belfort and Evans yeah that's who that was Victor Belfort yeah Rashad Evans and yeah and then there's like this weird dude with like face paint on who's like totally trying to steal the spotlight the entire time he was uh, man you ain't gonna steal the spotlight standing in the ring with Tyson yeah, or other people. Yeah, yeah, I was just getting ready to say there's two of two or three other stars, maybe not as big as Mike Tyson, but yeah, you're not going to be able to steal spotlight at this point. But you know, I I briefly got on Twitter, which I do not do nearly as much as I used to, and I saw a lot of people shitting on this because I mean it was not the best angle I ever saw by any means, and a lot of people shitting on it because they say, Oh, if WWE did this, it would be you'd be shitting on it, right? And you know, WWE did do this, and it was a hot angle. Like I just said, it was 23 years 23 ago. years ago, though. Yeah, they did do this, and I'm just saying, like, AEW, this is not for us, right? This is, this is the argument that I'm making. Like, this angle is not for us. This angle is to get them on SportsCenter and to get them in the, you know, mainstream media so that we can add, you know, another couple hundred thousand of non-wrestling fans to that weekly number that has been the same good but the same like every week of dynamite right so this is not like of course we don't really care about seeing mike tyson versus chris jericho but there might be a half a million to a million people that want to tune in that otherwise would not and that's good for business and that's good for us and that's good for AW. especially so, like, with no, especially with, with no sports i'm fine with it also I just, I just don't want to lose sight of how bad of a segment it was once Tyson and his boys got in there. Like it was, like it might be fun for non wrestling fans to watch, but for Smarks, it was. I was like, all right, yeah, I get it. I know exactly what's going to happen here. You know, just let's move along to the next thing. Jason, what did you think when the baddest man on the planet got into the ring with? Uh, it was well. I mean, you with the Y two J Saturday night, you know. I mean, it, he seems out of place, even when he was, you know, dealing with Austin back. You know, two beers right though. Day. It looks like he's having the time of his life. Oh, and God, bless, God bless him for it. I am not mad at him for it. Somewhere there is a wrestling fan, big, small, somewhere in the middle, that is making him have a good ass time at this. However, he's just not natural. No, he's <laughs> okay? not. He just it's hard to watch. <laughs> he has the look on his face like I have all the time, like I had when I was watching the stadium stampede match. Like I was just kind of laughing the whole time. I was like, God damn, this is funny. Like even Saturday night watching the Cody. The go ahead, go ahead. Even Saturday night when he was watching the Cody match, like he was just kind of laughing the whole time. Like look at the <laughs> look at these goofballs, man, fake fighting. He's trying to tear the shirt, and it's not coming out. You know, that's why I was just like, oh, stop, please, for the love of God, please end this. And then finally, it started to break down, which it, I'm not going to shit on it. It's WWE. 
I totally get it. Like Tubier said, it's just not meant for me. The rest of the show pretty much was this was meant for everybody else. Like there's there's a reason why up and coming promotions like WCW back in the day, like TNA there's a reason why they do certain things. There's a reason why they bring in celebrities. There's a reason why they try to pop the ratings with, you know, shit like this, you know, it's because it probably works. The, the trick is in keeping those eyes locked on your product after Mike Tyson goes back to, you know, jail or wherever he came from. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone. I do. Like Jay Leno. Like Jay Leno. Jay Leno. Even. I think the Dennis Rodman Carl Malone thing was the highest rating that Nitro ever got, and it was a replay from the night before. <laughs> like that's how much this shit works. So I mean, like whatever. You know, tune out for a half an hour if you don't like it. But, right. Uh, I'm not going to shit on them trying to make money. All right. Let's I'm, let's uh, let's keep it moving to NXT. Yeah, we can cut it. We spent a lot of time on AEW, and I think that that show was worth it because it was a really good show. Unfortunately, I do not think that NXT is worth spending a ton of time unless you just want to complain about some stuff, which I could definitely can. Um, wow. uh, we can just start right out because it was the first match. Wow. Uh, I mean, we had the three-way <laughs> that was set up kind of stupidly last week. Anyway, He's hitting up! Kushida versus Drake, Drake Maverick versus Jake Atlas with one of the dumbest finishes I've ever seen in my entire life. This is what started the show. Like, this match shouldn't even be happening anyway. And they do a bunch of moves. Kushida puts in his arm bar, and he has his legs on top, you know, like he always does with his arm bar. And Jake Atlas's shoulders are on the mat. And then Drake Maverick decides to throw an arm over Atlas in, like, a pinning situation. But... Actually, wouldn't Kushida already be pinning him with his legs anyway before that? And so the referee, instead of recognizing the tap that Jake Atlas gives, then counts three and Jake and Drake Maverick wins this thing. If you want Drake Maverick to win it, I could think of 973 million better finishes than this one. I hated it. It was dumb. Anybody want to defend it? Be my guest. I won't spend any more time. I mean, it it didn't it didn't make me upset. I just didn't know that two beer Zach Pullman handed off his phone to Jim Cornette. But I mean, we can move on to the next part. <laughs> no, hey, no, man, no, 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 no. I, I ain't gonna be as strong, but I agree with two beer on this way. I mean, I, I was watching it. I was watching it while I was, uh, you know, at work. You know, it was on in the background. I, it didn't. I guess if I would have been paying closer paying closer attention to it, it might have bothered me. But I mean, whatever. They're telling a bigger story with Drake Maverick. I mean, and, and okay, and that's fine. But then don't don't do it like this because now, as a smart, I guess because since we're being labeled this afternoon, I'm looking at it like Tuber just said it. Not only is he in a submission, but his shoulders are down. If you're counting for anybody it probably should be for Kushida first as Drake Maverick puts his arm on if you want to I agree with you beer if you want to have Drake over do it that's fine he had an injury coming in to the match work off of that have him overcome the odds because that's the story we're laying have him do it one more time don't do it like that all right let's keep it moving 
Yeah, keep moving. Uh, we had a squash match, Johnny Gargano versus Adrian Alanis, which is an interesting name. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, some bad comedy. Uh, I'm even saying that as the huge Gargano mark. Um, and we had uh, another mediocre match, Shotzi Blackheart versus Raquel Gonzalez. Um, you know, I like Shotzi. I liked, we didn't talk about her vignette like the week before which was so over the top and ridiculous but at least <laughs> at least now we know who Shotzi Blackheart is like she told us for like five minutes she just yep. told us her whole life story like my dad was a motorcycle riding badass like just okay. went on and on and like and I'm like all right cool like at least I know who Shotzi Blackheart is now um but I mean this was a very whatever match um not really much to say um Gonzalez defeated her so there's that and uh, then we had another thing that I just really didn't like. Uh, if you look at this on paper, Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai versus Charlotte Flair and Chelsea Green. Looking at that on paper, you'd be like, oh, Chelsea Green's in there to take the pin, right? Because we got this whole triple threat scenario. Like, she's the odd person out. They also beat her in her debut. So, I mean, what's special about her? Nothing. She should take the pin. But no, instead, she pins Io Shirai. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, this whole, like thing about charlotte flair even taking the title from Rhea in the first place doesn't make sense to me and it's just not getting any better um i don't like it i don't like it I'm sorry he's heating um, up then we had adam cole uh facing down velveteen dream at nxt takeover in your house i do like the branding for takeover in your house is is very apropos um mm. i do not think that velveteen dream should win this title uh oh I do fuck not. no no, I did like. Really? No, 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 no. He's not. He's he has been really? exposed, man. He's this been lack exposed. Of fans as as exposed him. He I needs fans. Oh, I totally agree with Zach, one hundred percent. Adam Cole should hang on to this. I wow. Okay, I'll let you finish, and then we, I want to go back to this because that's crazy. Well, I like I, I like Velveteen Dream a lot. I just I'm just. I, do, I wouldn't put the biggest belt in the promotion on him right now. In promotion, you know, I mean NXT. Okay, so I I agree with Zach. I, I think he's been exposed. Again. I don't think I don't think he's nearly as good as. Um, I mean he <coughs> he suffers without fans, much like Orange Cassidy does. They they it doesn't it's not as much fun without fans. I don't. Man, I don't know. I just I just think this is it just feels like it's set up for him, especially with the step added on to it. You think he should win? I think it's just set up for him to win it. You and if he does it, then it's to me it's like a, it's almost a step back. It's a you know, a hit on his, you know, career path. It's not, you know, the end of the world behind any stretch. If if, if Hunter if Hunter slid into your DMs and said, who do you think, who would you have go over in this match? You would pick Dream? If it's, if I, okay. The way it's, the way they programmed us, it feels like this should be Velveteen Dream's match to win. I ain't been programmed, bro. I'm my own man. Do not talk <laughs> to me like that. <laughs> you know what the fuck I'm talking about. If it was up to me, yeah, I ride Adam Cole until the wheels fall off because as it stands right now, he is the face of NXT. You have built him up as such, so whoever it is that beats him 
to end this long reigning uh this long reign uh NXT run, it should be somebody that you're going to attach the cart to and let that horse run for a little bit because you just can't give that whoever gets this rub can't lose it anytime soon. So it has to be somebody that's going to be the champion for a while. I think they are also really desiring a NXT champion that is homegrown because all their other champions, like their best champions have been uh, outsiders and had like good careers before they came into NXT, right? They were top guys in ROH and elsewhere. Um, so I can see why they would want to do it, but I just, uh, I think he's, he's just too, it's too, it's too early for him. And uh, he's just like, I said, he's just exposed. Like, he needs a crowd pop when he wins that title, and it, it shouldn't happen now. Yeah, I, anyway, I, I, I agree with Zach. I agree with Zach 100%. Uh, last thing I'll say about this segment is I do like William Regal as a GM, and I wish that he took part in more stories. Like, I appreciate that he's not there all the time, but, you know, when we get to the takeover do-over, uh, <laughs> Regal, I mean, when Regal gets involved, Regal is great, and that's all I'll say. Yeah, he's really good. Let's uh, uh let's we had, Yeah, go ahead. Say, we just had a squash match with Champa. Uh so you know, DIY got their squash match going on separately, and then we had the main event, Matt Riddle versus Timothy Thatcher and a cage fight, like a MMA cage fight submission or knockout only, with Kurt Angle as the referee. Did you and like it? Thatcher Um, yes and no. I love the gimmick match. I think that they should have gone a little bit more shoot style because i can guarantee you that matt riddle never once in ufc ran at his opponent so hard and so fast that his opponent moved out of the way and he ran into the cage let alone once but twice in a Do match doesn't happen happened. doesn't happen very often no so it was just that part was i just wish they would have really went out there and totally shot style but uh thatcher won which was you know kind of surprising but then we heard that uh riddle's going to smackdown so, not so surprising. Mm -mm. Did, um, did they say that wait. on the show? No, no, no. I just we they. I don't even think they had decided that until like probably that day. Like who knows? That's new to me. Uh, somebody had said that to me. I guess last Friday when I was watching SmackDown. So, um, it, I think I knew this coming in. It just didn't dawn on to me until last night when I watched it. Um, I guess my biggest takeaway from this is obviously Cole versus Dream one more time. Um, I don't know. I, it's like I said, it's not the end of the road for Dream if he loses, but it's definitely a, a, a pothole, dare I say. Um, the women's match to me was the biggest disappointment of the whole night. It's just it's so convoluted. You started off with really three women. By the end, it was like five women down there. And it was just so many moving parts where it started to take away from the physical match at certain points, especially at the end. I like Dakota Kai, but I don't need to see her riding in Shotzi Blackheart's tank. I mean, come on. You know, that's that's main roster shit. I expect a little more from NXT. So, I, yeah, I've got to give him a knock on that. Outside of that, I mean, NXT was fine. It wasn't anything you know, terrible or anything like that. It just, it feels like they're just treading water trying to figure out their next move. 
and some of these matches kind of reflected. I enjoyed Thatcher Riddle. Um, and I thought Angle got released, but whatever. I, yeah, I, mean, I didn't even want to just say that, but yeah, I, he did, I agree he did with you. Who? I mean, I, I don't, I don't really care. Yeah, magically, he's now in NXT. I'll just say this: I agree with Two Beer on the whole shoot thing. That's what I kind of expected. I wasn't sure what kind of structure we were going to have. The structure itself was cool because they you had kind of like a, an elimination chamber kind of deal where you could fight on a second level kind of like they fight on top of the pods, but it obviously went the length of the ring. So that part was cool. I wish it was a little more shoot style outside of that. I mean, Riddle going to SmackDown, cross your fingers, Matt Riddle. That's all I can say on that. You know, a little peek behind the curtain here at the podcast. Sometimes I'm looking at a timer here because we're in a pandemic and my wife and I, because Jason can't come over to my house, have to share a computer. And I text these guys and I tell them what our end time is. And these guys just keep fucking talking jesus christ well thankfully our takeover sucks so we don't have to spend a lot of time on it <laughs> let's, get, <laughs> let's get to that three counts <laughs> just joshing around guys just joshing around okay so we're talking about nxt third count is nxt unstoppable the fifth edition of our takeover do-over where we're going back over all the takeovers and trying to determine which actually is the best takeover because there's been so many good ones this one nxt unstoppable uh was recorded on may the 20th of 2015 so almost five years to the day um uh, it opened up the the main event once again was Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. Uh, Samoa Joe makes his NXT debut, which was probably the biggest news of the pay per view. But it opened up with a number one contenders match that was Tyler Breeze versus Finn. What's his name? <laughs> Finn Balor. Yeah, Finn Balor. Yeah, so Finn Balor versus Tyler Breeze. I was trying to think of Boogeyman. I was going to call him Finn Boogeyman, but I fucked up because I had a couple bush. demon, you moron. What'd you say? The demon, if you want to make fun of him. Oh, you didn't like it? You didn't like it when I said that you went too long in that last segment, did you? Let's just hash it out right here on the pod, dude. Let's just hash it out right here on the pod. You the quarterback, baby. That's what I'm saying. I'm sorry I ran the, you know, my own routes out there, you know, I'll, I'll start run the routes here. that the coach calls. Um, yes, sir. All right. So don't do that, please. <laughs> uh, Ty, especially not this week. Uh, Tyler Breeze versus Finn Balor uh, for a number one contenders match. Finn Balor won the demon. All this match really made me do was think really Tyler Breeze was really good, really good at what he did. And he was a good pest heel, and uh, Finn Balor went over. But that being said, I enjoyed this match quite a bit. I'm giving it three stars. Uh, yeah, that was going to say, this is kind of the reason why I like going back and watching these matches because I look at Tyler Breeze, and I, I keep saying it, I keep saying it. I'm not saying that he... He probably could have been champion. I'm not saying he should have been champion, but if there was a, a mid-card title, that was Tyler Breeze written all over it. I mean, he j just has consistently good matches time after time. Another good match with Finn Bauer. I agree, three stars. He sounds like a motherfucker. Uh, two beer, what you got? 
I'm uh, worried that I our barometers here are just a little bit too in tune. We're like uh, like three ladies living in the same house. It's like cycles just get periods are syncing up. Much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, right down to the period decimal point. I had three stars for this bad boy. It was good though, right? I mean, Tyler Breeze. Is... Yeah, it was just it was a good curtain jerker. It was yeah, for sure. Uh, next up, we had Dana Brooke and Emma. God damn Emma. Um, Versus, I mean that as a worker, uh, and Charlotte Flair, Dana Brooke and Emma versus Charlotte Flair and Bailey in kind of a, I don't know, no nothing tag match. I mean, this isn't a TV an match, huh? So this is like a TV match. It's a TV match. It didn't really register for me. I give it one and a quarter stars. I can't say I disagree too much. It it sets up what's going to happen down the line, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think I know what the next big match is, but I'll save that for next week. It, it it's it's a match, and it wasn't even a good match. I gave it one and a half stars. All right, and two beer. Yep, I had one and a half stars. I liked the end where Bailey and Charlotte did each other's gimmicks. Like that was pretty fun. Uh, that was after the match in and of itself. That, was, that that tells you something about the match and that that was my favorite part whenever Bailey did the strut and Charlotte did like the, the hands up thing. So Next up, we have Rhino versus the one, the only, Baron Corbin. Uh, I'll let somebody else go first because I, I think I should probably go last on this one. I'll go. Um, Baron Corbin, I mean, still over. It's over as shit just so over me away (laughs) how over he is and this is why i have so much pushback when i say that i'm not a baron corbin guy nonetheless once again it was a match not even a good match two stars uh two beer yeah i gave this exactly two stars as well like uh rhino kind of carried this thing through there was a couple snafus that he righted you know with like some good uh instincts obviously the veteran in this uh scenario but um but yeah it was uh underwhelming maybe i'm being generous i quite like this match a lot i thought that rhino and i thought that rhino and corbin had really good chemistry together i thought that corbin was impressive giving rhino the end of days the most protected finisher in the wwe and even though it was only about seven minutes long, I had a blast. I thought that you guys were good, would go lower, but I had 2.5 written down. I, I I enjoyed the match. I enjoyed Baron Corbin, though, a lot more than you guys do. Um, coming up next, we had Murphy and Blake, who I just realized. I knew he was in the Forgotten Sons, but I just realized who he looked like when I watched SmackDown this week, which he looks like Haley Joel Osment. But uh, it was Murphy and Blake versus Enzo and Cass. And I want to ask you guys, did you feel any kind of nostalgia when you watched Enzo and Cass come out and do their intro? I felt amazement at how over they were. And it wasn't, I wouldn't say nostalgia in the sense that, oh, I wish they were still around, but I did appreciate that. And I did like remember it. And, you know, I, it's a fun intro. It's a fun, it's a fun act. And I think, unfortunately because of everything that's happened with both of them it's harder to look back on it like fondly but 
they were they were stars like big time stars yes uh jason did you feel uh, what did you feel seeing enzo and cass's intro for the first time in probably two years right it's been a minute yeah i was was thinking you know wow they i won't say they missed the boat but how did these guys not become champions especially on nxt yeah they even lost this match yeah if if baron corbin is over these guys were on that same level crowd is singing along they know the words i'm not saying that they need to be great in the ring but in this case they have the one thing that most teams people they look to get over they look to have the crowd get invested and they were fucking over how they lost this match this was the match that i was i, I look back again i'm still surprised they lost this match two and a half stars um fun at the beginning kind of wonky finish it, it, it was okay i mean here comes lawnmower man again guys <laughs> okay i i'm gonna say this that i'm happy that jason said that they were over and it doesn't even matter how good they are in the ring because fellas they are not good in the ring 1.75 stars i loved seeing their entrance though they really had you know there's only two entrances like that in the history of the WWE, and it's them and the New Age Outlaws. That's it. Nobody no, that's else. A good, that's good company to have. It really no, is. Nobody else has. Think, an, nobody else has an entrance that the entire crowd talks along to. You know what I mean? Maybe New Day, uh, but it's shorter. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. New Day. Yeah, you're right. Fair enough. Uh, how, what, what do you give it, Zach? Your point is taken. What do you give it, Zach? Uh, I gave it two stars, and I was a little bit more generous uh, because, which is not much more generous. But yeah, the entrance, like I think, bumped it up a little bit. And Corey Graves uh, talking about how hot Carmella was, which was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Sure. I was about to say that didn't that didn't go over my head at all. That was great. All right, up next for the women's championship in NXT. It was the first one-on-one match in the takeover of Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch. Sasha Banks won in a uh, submission with the bank statement. Uh, this was a this was a good match. I gave it three stars. No, I agree. This was when Becky wasn't Becky, you know what I mean? For the man, this was... Becky in almost kind of a heelish role a little bit. Um, I know Becky takes a lot of knocks because, you know, quote-unquote, she can't wrestle. Sasha, quote-unquote, botches moves. I don't think this was the case in this match. I thought that they did well off of each other. They played well off each other. And it came out to being this match that we got in front of us. Um Three and a half. I'm, I'm, I didn't say three and a half. Three and a quarter stars. I apologize. Good, not great. But you got Zach. I was actually way more generous than you guys. I thought this was one of the. I thought it was the best match on the show, and I thought it was much. Uh, it was one of the better Becky matches that I've seen. Uh, I gave it four stars. There we go. And finally, the main event, which ended in a no contest, we have the rematch of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. The final, I believe, title match that these two will have. It seems like with the TKO in the first match and a no 
in a no contest in the second match, it seems like they were building towards something that never happened. Unless it happened on NXT The Show and didn't happen on The Takeover, which I guess is possible. This match wasn't very long, 13 minutes. It was great storytelling once again. Tremendous storytelling, as you would expect between these two. I loved it when Regal came in and grabbed Owen's nose from behind and peeled his head back. Uh, but I, I still only gave it three and a quarter stars, which I, I, I think is all you can do with 13 minutes and a no contest. Uh, two beer. Yeah, I actually gave it three and a half. Just bumped it up a little bit for the storytelling. But yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Um, they were limited because uh, this is where Sammy went and got his shoulder surgery. Right. So that's why the match was short and uh, incidentally it's also Hideo Itami uh, got shoulder surgery at the same time so yeah it was supposed um, to be a triple threat here we go yeah it was supposed so, to be a triple threat uh, match you know they worked with what they had and these guys are both phenomenal but uh, it does not necessarily live up to like a takeover main event uh, fortunately some of Joe's debut kind of saved the day because the fans were into it uh, what you got Jason three and a half as well um Samoa Joe kind of saves the day um I totally forgot the fact that Sami Zayn was supposed to get shoulder surgery too and obviously they said about uh Hideo Tommy because he was physically out of the match but I, I totally forgot Sammy's supposed to be having surgery as well so yeah all things considered especially with the no contest you can't get too crazy with this so I gave it three and a half uh, pretty cool seeing Samoa Joe make his NXT debut. The crowd was hot as fuck for him. He looked mm-hmm. great. Um, I thought it was also cool right before the, or I think it was before the Enzo and Cass match when they were interviewing KO before the show, that KO went to Raw in between pay-per-views, in between takeovers, and confronted Cena and pop-up power bombed him and then grabbed both oh, yeah. belts stepped on the, stepped on the title it stepped great. on the title that was awesome it and was remember that was his debut he actually beat cena like so i mean it was really good storytelling from those guys like it that's that's phenomenal like time period yes it is a phenomenal time period and ko is a phenomenal performer so uh if you guys <laughs> if you guys are gonna give this uh a, a grade i mean this wasn't as good as last week's so i think no. right now we're all in agreement that last week's was the best takeover that we've seen thus far correct agreed yeah Okay, I think that's all we really have to do. Uh, that's going to do it for our three count. One, two, three. Uh, before we get to our RIPs and our birthdays, uh, just a few uh, hangers on here, a few odds and ends. Uh, Apollo Cruz wins the U.S. title from Andrade. Any thoughts on that? I mean, I love Apollo Crews. I think he's so athletic. Uh, you know, he's as that happy-go-lucky, baby-faced black guy. Everybody's seen that before, but <laughs> goddamn, that guy is athletic, man. He's good, man. He's yeah, he's awesome. Who, I love him. I agree. Apollo Crews is extremely athletic. Um, kind of, that, you know, feel bad for Andrade Smith just because his reign as U.S. champion won't be remembered for much, if anything at all. It seems like he'll have a bright future, though. Uh, I like MVP, the MVP-Lashley pairing. Even if they're just setting up Lashley to lose the McIntyre, it's it's a pretty strong pairing, and I like that MVP has found a role 
in 2020 WWE because MVP is a can be a valuable guy and can be money. Um, I put this on Twitter the other day. I saw Lana next to MVP, and Jason told me that she had too much bronzer. It looks to me like they're trying to make Lana look black. You're saying intentionally. This they're trying to. I'm saying they're intentionally trying to make Lana look black. Bronze face. I don't know. When I <laughs> my wife was sitting in the room with me, and when I said, "I think they're trying to make her look black," she, my wife goes, "She's not black." I go, "That's Lana from Lana and Rusev," and she's like, "Oh, she looks like a black chick." Okay, I mean, I'm not going to sit up there and, and say that she didn't or she didn't look different. I don't think Dude, I'm not she going looked to way to different. They made her hair. They made her hair brown. They made her hair brown, and they uh, listen. I'm not. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm not. Certainly not accusing. I'm not accusing Lana of blackface, but I'm just saying she's racist. Um, she's gonna come up next week. Uh, you know, you know how bad Tyson was this week uh, in an angle. I'm gonna say that Rob Gronkowski was even worse. Mm. Anybody? It, um, it, it, I didn't pay it that much attention. I mean, well, it, it sucks. It is what it is. I'm not saying it was promo of the year by any stretch of imagination. <laughs> I just, it, it kind of was like, okay, it's Gronkowski. Let's get the 24/7 title back. Let's move along. I, I could care less. I know that Zach could care less, so I'm just going to move on. I don't uh, even know what you're talking about. Why are they talking about – why are they calling this Edge-Orton match the match of the year oh or match, God, the greatest match? Man. Why are they even saying that? This why is the dumbest thing. Why would They're they, calling it the greatest match of all time. And yeah. it is coming after one of the worst matches I've ever seen. Oh, in WrestleMania? <laughs> Certainly, yes. Certainly the worst, like – in, in terms of expectations for a match at WrestleMania and delivery of the match at WrestleMania, the Edge-Orton match eclipses them all. Wow. It's like the cheeseburger you see on the commercial versus the cheeseburger you get in your drive-thru bag. Totally Double not wow. the same. God damn, Double that wow. is fucking perfect, man. God, <laughs> fucking English majors, right? Um, right. <laughs> AJ Nakamura on SmackDown had a really cool finish. Had a really cool modified Styles Clash. Uh, it sucks that Nakamura is just considered a uh, jobber to the stars because he beats everybody below him and he loses to everybody above him. Uh, that's all I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Uh, Otis sucks. Uh, Mike and Miz. Hey, you said I'm the quarterback. You said I'm the quarterback, right? Yes, sir. I'm doing the quarterback sneak. Uh, okay. <laughs> No. Okay, Jason, what do you think about Miz and Morrison taking on Braun Strowman in a handicap <laughs> match at Backlash for the belt? If that's a joke, man. I get it. You know, we're, we're buying time. But, I mean, they both. how are you going to have them both lose singles? Well, I shouldn't say singles matches. They both got pinned by Braun Strowman. But now we'll put them together so that, okay, that's the WWE logic. You figure it out. It's... It's just a bad move. They're waiting until the Fiend comes back, I would assume, after this match. Well, he accepted their challenge, Ron, though. Next. Morrison challenged him. I will say that Morrison was – the Miz and Morrison segment at the beginning of SmackDown was pretty funny this week. No, it, and, and that's and that's why I'm kind of getting frustrated because now here's a, an opportunity where 
you could have either or legitimately make us run at the title, and then if it falls apart, so be it. But you still have that safety net yep. just in case. You, you just put too many chips in the middle, and now you're going to have them both job out to Broncos. All right, Seamus and Hardy. Uh, I will say the Forgotten Sons look like a Make America Great Again version of the Shield, which hey, means man. they which means they suck. Uh, hey, there. We didn't talk about Shad Gaspard uh, last week. It's a tragedy. He's a, he was a legit badass who used to legit fight people. He was a, a, a by all accounts a really good guy backstage, a decent wrestler. He was in Crime Time Forever. Vince, instead of taking this guy who was a bare knuckle boxer and all this stuff, decided to put him in a tag team called crime time when they could have made him Kurt Angle or something like that. Uh, any thoughts on Shad Gaspard, Jason? For a guy that can't swim, this, this, this story just hits home. And the fact that he made sure his son got to safety first, not saying that he couldn't swim, but that, that whole experience just really hit home for me. I almost drowned. So I can only imagine the the panic, the terror that's actually going in a person trying to save himself and his son. So yeah, um, that to me is the biggest thing. It, the, the WWE part of it is WWE. I could care less in that scenario. But yeah, that's that's to me is the biggest takeaway from hearing that story. Is for a guy that can't swim, I couldn't imagine trying to navigate something like that trying to save my and, son and, and Zach, forgive me, I, I forgot the name of the young woman who killed herself this week. The Yes. Uh, you guys want yeah. to talk about her for a second? Yeah, I mean, I, the best way I could analogize her is she is uh, was such a rising star. She had such star power. She's not, like, the greatest worker in the world, but, like, she was always the one that you would remember, and she was only 22. I think kind of the best way to analogize her for – those who might not be familiar with her is like imagine if velveteen dream was cyber bullied to the point of suicide right that's like kind of like the best you know superstar power had a lot you know had a lot of character um fortunately velveteen dreams probably less likely to die of suicide than he is police brutality but i mean that's neither here nor there right. uh, ouch uh, J- but, uh jason talk about a wrestling for a second yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Beer, because I was going to say I've been watching Stardom over the uh, the pandemic break, and she quickly jumped out to me as one of my favorite characters. Um, had her own faction, leader of the faction, Tokyo Cyber Squad, and uh, just won one of their major tournaments. Uh, had a match against B Priestley for the title. Unfortunately, lost that, but all signs pointed up for her career and where she could possibly go in to stardom, maybe being the, the top star in the company. So, yeah, hearing that it really kind of fucked me up. I haven't watched stardom since because I'm at a point where I know I'm going to run into one of those matches, and I'm just not sure how I'm going to react to that. So yep. it's, it's one of those things where I kind of watched myself on Twitter because I know I could be very opinionated. So I just kind of just stick to my opinion, and if we just agree, we just agree. If we don't, 
just have to agree to disagree and walk away. And one more RIP this week. That's George Floyd in Minneapolis. Everybody, Black Lives Matter. Hey, everybody, we got some birthdays this week. Seth Rollins is 34. The Brian Kendrick is 41. Nia Jax is 36. Hornswoggle is only 34. Jake the Snake Roberts is 65. Noah Jose is 32. Best in your future endeavors. Montez Ford is 30. James Storm is 43. AJ Styles is 43. Lex Luger is 62. Velvet Sky is 39. And Tim Thatcher is 37. Hey, everybody. We know there's lots of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys listening to our podcast for F&B Eatery. For two beers, Zach Bone. Cheers. For my wife. And my cats and my dog. For Jason Cornelius Bell. Hey, uh, R.I.P. Bills, a.k.a., by the way. What? What, Rhetoric Flair? Yeah, uh, I thought it was actually pretty good. Uh, we, uh, no, no, no. Everybody, boo the heels! Boo the heels! <laughs> Hold on, I'm not stopped yet.